Yeah. I have a pair of hokas. I don't really wear them, though. Smoke a hookah, wear a hoka. He's a rapper, I told you. <laughs> I fucking knew it. You're lying. You have a secret alias as a rapper. Do you You have an album that's out? <laughs> the views expressed on this recording are solely those of the artists, and by no means do we encourage or condone violence against law officials. Oh, it's for you. It's for you. Hello, everyone listening and guests in the room. Welcome to episode 21 of Blue Cheese with me, Ebony L. Haynes, and my wonderful guest who we've just spent a probably 20 minutes in our preamble. Ari Markopoulos. Ari Markopoulos. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure. Um, episode 21, that means we're grown up. This is our grown up episode. Yeah. That, there are people that would dare to disagree that I'm grown up, but yeah, <laughs> but I'm grown up, yes. You're grown up. Um, yeah. Taryn's in the room. Thanks, Taryn, for being here. Everyone knows Taryn, editor extraordinaire. We are going to jump into why we're here, music. Really, it's supposed to be one song, but increasingly, people send two. I wanted to talk to you about this, Taryn. It's so funny. It, in the beginning, right, Ari, it was had to be a, a, a knee-jerk reaction. What's a song you're listening to right now? What's your, your go-to? Like, what's basically, what do you, what's playing right now in the background? What's your recent search or your go-to search? And everyone would answer really quickly. And I think it's because at that moment, the show hadn't unfolded into how it would shape the conversation. So now people are thinking about it a bit more and having a hard time sending just one as though it's representative of something personal or there you know but it's really meant to be kind of funny and sporadic and what's the song but I like the two song gesture when it happens naturally because it really says a lot of what the go-to's are and I'm gonna I listened to your go-to's quite a bit over the weekend my weekend which was yesterday and Thursday um so I'm gonna play a bit of the first one and everyone can have a listen great fifth dimension the fifth dimension aquarius um and with this song you get a little bonus mm -hmm. yeah you can jump can to jump the, to it you can jump to the end of that oh, there it is i was almost right here yeah. it is it's gonna come down yeah ba, 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 ba. 
such a great song. It's unbelievable. Um, and this is a go-to for you? This is definitely a go-to. You know, when, um, when you were talking about um, choosing a song, then, you know, like let's say a song you have on repeat, you know, I have many different tracks on repeat at, at very different periods in my life uh, or in my day life I forget about that but um so when you asked me that I, that was the song that I Perfect. was playing every morning and um so that this is what it looks like so it's I don't know what time it is it's usually pretty early in the morning I'll, I'll go downstairs I'll put the coffee in the little Italian espresso maker coffee pot thing <laughs> and then I put the song on and then I dance and sing to it and, and <laughs> Kara, Kara came down the other day with her camera and filmed it and I was like okay <laughs> here we go but I, I feel that um, sometimes also because we came back from this trip and then you know and sometimes you just need a track like that to start the day mm -hmm. you know and I, I just love, I just love sort of the choral aspect of it. It's a and good then, way to start the day. And let the sun shine in, you know. And then, uh, and then, yeah, the fifth dimension, the male voice, the singing. It's like I don't know. It's just. The, it's a really good track. I mean, I wonder if there's anyone listening who's not familiar with it. Which I was thinking, listening to it yesterday. For some of us, it's so. It's like, oh yeah, fifth dimension. Aquarius but yeah well the fifth dimension you know um, maybe the fifth dimension wasn't really taken seriously or something I don't mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. that's what somebody said to me the other night because I did bring it up not in context of the um, uh, of the podcast but it was more in uh, how the morning had started and I just said that's how it started <laughs> the morning and then there's that, you know, but there's, uh, there's many other, mm -hmm. in the car, I have a certain track that's on all the time. And well, we're going to play track number two. I wanted to say also about the fifth dimension, which I want to say, oh yes. Um, when you sent this in as a link and I opened it up on my Spotify, I got a little warm inside of my heart because, um, I used to work in a record store. And I didn't, when I moved here, I got rid of all of my vinyl except for one crate. I have, I actually realized I, my sister reminded me, I have a couple in Toronto still that I kept in her basement, mm -hmm. but I took the really sentimental ones with me and I had a fifth dimension record in there. It's on my Instagram. I did a little carousel of the ones that I, I just, it was so hard. I felt like I lost a piece of myself. Like it was the last crate that I had and uh -huh. it was in, it was like flooded in my basement. And it was a fifth dimension. It was this album called Individually and Collective and Collected. And I bought it. The reason it, a lot of them had sentimental value, but I discovered a De La Soul sample on it uh -huh. at a record sale. And it wasn't an, you know, it wasn't an expensive record, just to your point of it being maybe a group that was undersung or something. Yeah. But, the, well, that was definitely, I think, you know, um, Aquarius is the first song in hair mm -hmm, in the musical. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was, that was, uh, that, that was a big thing when I was young, you know, because I like, you know, I'm 66 years old, so I've had it, you know, I've heard 
a few songs in my life. <laughs> so there's a lot of songs, older songs that I remember mm -hmm. that have, a, a me have meaning for me in different ways. But this song is just purely the fact that one Aquarius is like, it's crazy, I mean, you know, yeah. Neptune, all this I like know. sort of very 60s hippie style. But also but that, that song with hair and that musical in particular and the story of that, of hair. I mean, it was like, Free love, yeah. naked sex, nature. Yeah, the second track on, on the second track on the soundtrack of Hair is called Sodomy. I'm like, okay. It is? Yes. Oh my god, I'm gonna look at this track right now. <laughs> but it's not really a good track, but that's that's the name it of the track. It is called Sodomy. <laughs> yes. Wow. But then let the sunshine in to me. Um, because after I um, mentioned that to you, I was like, oh, I should make a, a playlist that is all related around the sun since we're mm. all, since we are spinning around the sun. So then I did um, Sun is Shining by Bob Marley and Here Comes the Sun by George Harrison and uh, The House of the Rising Sun by the Animals. And mm. then you can go on and on because everybody sings about the fucking sun. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, have you listened to the playlist yet? Is it like some, is it become a... If I've listened to it, listen to it, but there's only five tracks, so I need to build out uh, on it. But uh, there's many. Well, it's a little different from your second song. Not quite, though, and I have some reflections on this. I'm going to play song number two. Um, I don't think this is how you start your morning with coffee, but I'm interested in hearing where it comes in. Okay. Y como tú ninguna, veas como la luna, veas como mi prenda, quiero que tú me entiendas, la que sale por TV, no es la que yo conocí, no es la que yo conocí, la que se llama Jimmy. This is a great song. I mean, Rosalia. This Does, is Rosalia Diablo for everyone listening. Yeah, it does, doesn't get much better than that. So good. And the song is short. Oh my God. I talk about this all the time. Songs are too long these days. And so are albums. But with this another conversation. But there's something about a good, short, you know, you got to be under three minutes. Yeah, I think so. But I think this song could have been a little longer. I, no. I, I played this song when the car, I'll play this song 10 times in a row. Yeah. And every time the drum drops in, then it's like, all right, keep your hands on the wheel. Let's hear this drum again. It is good. Have you ever seen Rosalia live? No, only, uh, only on the... Um, that place called the Coachella. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's live something. Podcast. Oh, live podcast. Yeah, like watching it. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. Uh, she's insane. She's insane. Um, but this song is like beyond. So good. Um, but another 
um, you said maybe you don't start this song uh, with your coffee, but the, the other thing that I do is, um, that, so Let the Sunshine in was that, but that whole album, Motomami, mm-hmm. which said that start with uh, Saoka Papi, Saoka. Look, so. I just queued this up. I just queued Saoko up. Chica que dice. Chica que dice. It's my favorite. Saoka Papi, Saoka. It's so good. Well, I was going to tell you this is my Rosalia song. Oh. And, um, we have to wait for this beat to drop too. I so, so um, it's so good. I just I first heard this on a friend, a mutual friend actually's Instagram, Mafuz. Yeah, Mafuz is Mafuz is a big early Rosalia fan of people yes, that I know. Me too. And this he had images of this video when it had just come out and i was like what is this the, mo- the motorcycle the motorcycle yeah well so the deal with this record is that um i played i play, i played a whole record in the morning and i dance to every song and i do my own choreography to it what yeah so you know <laughs> saoka poppy saoka it's kind of like has like a kind of a hip-hop feel but then there's sort of a some songs that I like a little bit more tango and then she has a sort of flamenco song mm-hmm. on the flamenco song. I tried to do the flamenco, chuck my heels on the ground. I hope Cara's recording that too. <laughs> <laughs> I know she, she hasn't. <laughs> she once she once had an idea though, that she said, I'm not the one to make a documentary about you, but, um, but she started and basically she wanted me to talk about music because, um, because I talk about music quite a bit and just as uh, as a reference to like different things that, mm-hmm. that happened in life or that happened, you know, along the way or, you know, um, and it's a wide range, mm-hmm. you know, so, but this, yeah, this album, I've at least danced to the first 12 tracks. It's really good. To start the day instead of going like, you know, in the park with like my running shoes and running in circles. <laughs> this is your this is your cardio. Yeah, this morning my cardio was tennis. Oh, do you play tennis? I, I used to play tennis, but then I bumped into um, um, Raheem Fortune, uh, a young photographer, and uh, he said, "Oh yeah, we just came from playing tennis." I said, "Oh, you guys, you play tennis?" Yeah, he says he's just starting. I said, "Okay," I said, "I'll, I'll come and kick your ass." and, and <laughs> And then he actually wrote me a day later, you want to play tomorrow? <laughs> so I went to play with him today. It was fun. Where do you play? In East New York. Yeah. Linden Park. Okay. Stay away, everyone, because the courts are free. Oh, are <laughs> There's they? no many people playing. Oh, really? So we can just like go. Well, I think that might change now. <laughs> beep Park. <laughs> no, it's in, East, it's in East New York. It's, it's nice. I um, have always wanted to be a good tennis player or not, you know, sort of like golf. I have this vision of being able to just rally comfortably with someone for, you know, like not a superstar server or anything or like be able to play nine holes, not 18, because that would be too crazy. But, you know, but I'm not good at either. I, I can't do either. They're both, they're both, um, they're both uh, 
kind of precision sports, maybe golf a little bit more than tennis, but it's, it is, it's a lot about how the actual blade impacts the balls and mm -hmm. there's a lot of precision there. Mm -hmm. But tennis is difficult. I mean, golf is difficult too. Yeah, they're both difficult. I worked at a, I was a waitress at this tennis and golf club for a while in Toronto. It was on the water. Uh-huh. And it was the first time I ever hit a golf ball. They had this like indoor driving range. And it was really fun because once you make contact the right way, it's so rewarding. But I hit balls for like an hour. And the next day I felt like I'd fucking been hit by a truck. Oh, of course. I, I, I just totally disregarded how many muscles I was using to hit those balls. I, I felt like I was like a personal trainer had taken me through the ringer and then one of my colleagues there like one of the pros they call them who give lessons and stuff there i said that i was like going to the bar to start working and i'm like oh my god my shoulders i just i can hardly move and he was so insulted he was just like what do you expect like it's a sport yeah <laughs> like, like no i know it's a sport but i don't know what i expected i thought i would hit some balls and it was fun and we we're drinking beer and i woke up and could hardly move oh i know tomorrow i'm gonna be sore <laughs> But that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I have a question I'd like to ask you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask it and see if you know what it means without me explaining it first. What is your sliding door moment? Hmm. And if I need to explain it, I can because I'm trying to make it catch on, but I don't know if it's a thing. Well, since I just came back from Japan, there was a lot of sliding doors. <laughs> well, my sliding door is, is the one, like, um, the life you would have if you had just take, if there was one different step, you know, so if you didn't walk through door number one and you went through door number two, because for whatever reason, something mm -hmm. changed, where do you think you would be or what do you think you would be doing? Whoa, that's kind of like the Zen of the motorcycle. What is that? The Zen of motorcycle where you flip, they flip the coin and they have the coin decide. You know, I walked through so many different doors that it's hard to tell mm. where I would be. But um, I do think that my my sliding door moment, let's say. The one that really changed my life was moving to New York mm. from the Netherlands. And if I would have stayed in the Netherlands, I don't know. That is the exact sliding door moment I'm talking about. What would you be like if you stayed in the Netherlands? What would your life be like? I'm not really sure. Like thinking that cozy is the best word that exists <laughs> or... Um, <laughs> Uh, or um, I don't know I wonder I wonder I, I don't think I could have sustained um, I wouldn't have had as much energy and as much curiosity and as I have now but I think I had that but I think that, that would have slow, slowly, slowly eroded and um but I'm very stubborn, so I don't think that I would have given up in whatever it is that I tried to achieve, you know. So I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have had like a boring job or like that. Uh, mm. um, but I possibly would have had no job. Mm. 
And um, I think I would have struggled quite a bit more to get to do the things that I've done mm -hmm. in my life. But what that exactly, what it exactly would have led to, I'm not really sure. Like you wouldn't have been a pilot? Mm, no. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, well, in my fantasy then, you know, um, Holland has a lot of water. Maybe I would have been like a, a skiff rower, like a solo guy, mm -hmm. something like that. Something with sports. Yeah. Where you can win. Yeah. Or lose. <laughs> or <but> lose. <laughs> do you do you ever go back there? Yeah, actually, um, I actually went recently because I had a show in Amsterdam that was uh, together with um, a new book that I have out and uh, the, the my my publisher there, Roma Publications, um, he's also the designer, and the book came out with Aperture, but I asked actually asked Aperture if he could design it because mm. I've worked with him together quite a bit. I think he's put seven of my books out and designed eight of them. Mm. So he's somebody I work really close close to. And uh, But what's interesting is because... Um, that you brought up, that you brought this up, because when I left, like I didn't stay in touch with people in the Netherlands. You know, I, I just got a whole new life when I was here, mm -hmm. and um, and I rarely went back. I would go back and I would visit my family, but I wouldn't hang out with people that I knew from high school or or anything like that. And um, but then lately the last um, five, six years or more, no, sorry, like eight, nine years, I've met some people from the Netherlands that I really get along with and, they're, and they, they do great things there. Mm. Because I did think at the time, you know, I was like, I, don't, I didn't know what I was going to do or, um, but I always felt like that there was no contemporary art in the Netherlands, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. and you could see it. There was a lot of good museums, and, and most of the artists you saw were inter international artists. Um, but now I do realize that there were artists around. Right. But it wasn't as much as here. Like Even now in Holland, I think there's more galleries, more museums, more yeah. things happening in that. But, um, but it's interesting that I, for the last eight years that I started working with... Um, people there mm -hmm. and and they've become my friends and and um and Roma publications um was started by Roger Willems and Mark Monders who's a, a, a sculptor who shows at uh, Tanya Bandekar and um and another artist na named Mark Nachsam and, and the three of them started Roma publications and so through him, I've also met other people that are sort of in that family. Mm -hmm. And he's my worst enabler. He's like, I, I went there, I just finished the book. And he goes, oh, your trip to Switzerland, that would make a good book. And oh, let's, go, I see. Uh, let's go visit Mark <laughs> and then you can take pictures there and we'll make a book out make of that. Book. That sounds like a great enabler to have around. <laughs> my God. Yeah, well, it's because, we, you know, be, he's definitely. But the great thing is that we're, you know. Um, it's it's a collaboration. Yeah, that's so that's good. yeah, yeah. I went to um, 
Did your father fly for KLM? Yep. Yeah. I, um, what's, what's the, I just remember not enjoying the food very much in Amsterdam or in Holland. I mean, I've only been to Rotterdam and Amsterdam, but. How long ago did you go? It was a long time ago. Yeah. It was in 2001. No, yeah, they worked on it. Yeah. Yeah, they worked on it a little. It's like England. They worked on it a little. Right, right. But England needs a little bit more work. Need but, a bit more work. I but, remember having a pan, I think pancakes were like Holland's national Oh, yeah. Did food. You, did you have those tiny ones? No, or? I had big one. I had big pancakes. My mom used to make pancakes. Were they delicious? With sugar. Yeah, they were good. So They were more like crepes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what mine... I don't know. I was smoking a lot of weed. Well, that's what people, <laughs> yeah, that's what people come to Amsterdam for. Yeah, I was for. really young and I was by myself and yeah, it was fun though. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, well, when you, you know, I was born in Amsterdam, so often when you say that, people get this look on their face or they go, oh yeah, Amsterdam, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> And I grew up with that being legal. Yeah. Wasn't a big deal. No, it wasn't. Of course. No, no. Sort of like here now when it's been, as it's being legalized around the States, I saw this funny comment. I think it was like, I think it was, um, what's his name? Schoolboy Q. Mm -hmm. And he was saying something about how prevalent weed shops are. Um, and like it used to be like liquor stores in the hood and now it's like weed shops in the, in Beverly Hills. I know. It's like there's an all over like rich and they, in any neighborhood really, but there's just on every corner there's a weed shop. Yeah. And then in LA, they look like the Apple store. Mm. They make it look all fancy and it gets packed all fancy. And then you real also, you realize when you go to LA that everybody's fucking stoned. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> They're all eating gummies. You know, you're like. I mean, these motherfuckers are slow. They're not slow. They're just fucking <laughs> they're just high. high. Everybody. I mean, I don't know. Like you know, some people will probably try to disprove it, but everybody's a little high. I see those gummies. <laughs> <laughs> you just put a gummy in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to. Like it's true. They don't have to. Um, it's not a time-consuming thing. They're not like going into the back to like crush it up and get the blunt or pay or whatever they're doing and make a filter. Or, like, yeah. There's pre-rolls or there's gummies or there's oil or Pepper, lots of other things. Mints and mints, drinks, yeah. drinks, can. Yeah, drinks. Can. <laughs> Two ends. <laughs> We're done doing advertising. But people, Is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're selling it now in, in the, they're selling it in the fucking, around the corner from my house, just in my regular, you know, bodega. All mm. of a sudden they have THC drinks. I'm like, yo, what's up? Everyone's high yeah everybody's gonna be high i mean it doesn't matter really but um i think in la it might be easier even because you know people don't interact as much as we do here Mm -hmm. because they're all in their own places and it's lonely there i find it very lonely yeah it's a very isolating place i think but i think for you know there's a lot of good artists in la and a lot of musicians or whatever people like there's things happening, but it's it's in a different way than it's here. Yeah, I mean New York is isolating too. I say LA is very isolating, but 
it, it's isolating in a different way here. You're surrounded by everybody, but you're very alone. Whereas in LA, you're surrounded by nobody and you're very alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in New York, you know, New York is harder on the hustle. Yeah. Like, you know, that's like... It is hard on the hustle. It's bit, people are more like ready to let... They want to know what you're up to. Yeah, and you better be up to something. Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've been up to something here for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I never share that like in a way like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Right. Like, well, you don't... I think, you to just, be fair, Ari, I don't think you really have to say that anymore. No, no. I think you've earned enough of uh, in your career and life to people, I think, should assume that there's things going on all the time. Yeah, shit's happening. Shit's happening. Podcast. Podcasts. You're at 52 Walker. Yes. 52 Walker. I, I, do, I do have to give a shout out to 52 Walker because um, although I missed one show, I think, maybe, but... I'm always looking forward to what you're up to next. And um, this particular uh, show that's up right now of Bob Thompson uh, is, is really quite amazing. And um, I feel, I think it's closing soon. But Today. I, yeah. But it is um, re revealing um, if you think about um, contemporary art and in, in America or in the world, but how, you know, somebody like that was kind of skipped. Mm. And we all know why, but but then now to see these works and how interesting they are and how beautiful they are from the from the smaller ones to the bigger ones. And then the show before uh, of Pope L and uh, Gordon Mother Clark was also uh, very great and very surprising. Well, that's very generous of you. I, I actually really love when you come in to see the show because um, you tell, like you send me your review. Yeah, I do. Right away, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate well, the honesty. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's only right to encourage others, mm -hmm. you know, um, if you can, mm -hmm. you know. Did you feel encouraged? I'm, I'm going to ask if you felt encouraged always in your career. I, I assume the answer is no, but I just had a conversation before you came in today and I was mentioning to Taryn that um, for better or worse, I'm, I feel very unaware of how people perceive what I, what I do, whether it's in this space or anywhere, this podcast, like I, um, I don't want to call it imposter syndrome because I'm not, I don't, pretend to be impostering anything. I don't know. I'm just kind of doing stuff. And I was actually talking to somebody who I'm hoping to do a show with here mm -hmm. and it probably won't work with their schedule. And they said, Oh man, I wish, you know, you'd asked me a little sooner. I would have done, wanted to do this with you instead of whatever, you know what? Mm -hmm. And I was like, really? Are you serious? And I said, I was honest too. I said, the reason I didn't ask you sooner is I felt that you were kind of too big, you know, maybe too big or this wasn't cool mm -hmm. for you or something. And then they proceeded to tell me really generously as well, things that they liked about the space. And to be honest with you, I said to them, I was like, I just assumed you didn't know about this. Like, I, I, I really just assume, I don't know who sees the space. It's interesting to hear. Like I, 
I don't think I don't hear why I appreciate you giving notes on shows and things like that is it's not it doesn't feel normal I think for some people to give that kind of feedback but it is very encouraging and it feels supportive and I wanted to know in that long diatribe did you feel that doing stuff or like hustling and trying did you hear from people this is so you know like I would imagine something someone coming up to me like why the fuck are you taking photos of this Mm -hmm. or like what do you expect like you're in the way or get the fuck like get the camera out of my face or nobody cares about this or something like that well i think you know when you take um some sometimes before this is before you were asked to do it right like (laughs) well you know most of the stuff that i do i'm not asked to do yeah um i think there's a misconception that i have a commercial career which which i don't I mean, I do, I've worked for big brands, but, you know, once or twice each mm-hmm. time, you know, and, and, um, and I have a, I have one client that I do things with like, you know, a couple of times a year. Um, and, um, but encouraged, you know, the encouragement that I get is mostly, um, when I do, when I do an exhibition somewhere, um, I did an exhibition in Paris in 2017, and I arrived at my gallery, my gallery there, uh, Gallery Frank Albaz, and there was four kids, skaters, waiting to see if they could help with the installation. Oh my God, that's I can imagine. So that's all I need. Yeah. Or the other one is, um, you know, I did this book, Conrad McRae, Youth League tournament, which is was a tournament, a high school basketball tournament that was behind my house in the summer. So it's some of it are school teams, and some of them are assembled from different schools, and so they create this tournament. Mm -hmm. And I've been, uh, and I I finally made a book out of it. And but um, I think this is after the I've been going there for six years, just on the weekends, not every weekend, but I accumulated a lot of images. And I think in the third year or the fourth year, I went one morning at six in the morning or seven. I went there and Kara and I both put up um, 300 portraits of kids on the chain link fence. And people were were like wondering, you know, what the the kids would come to look at the pictures and they would take a photo with their phone. I said, yeah, you can actually take it. You can take the picture. But a lot of them were like, oh, I'm going to do with it. And I said, oh, give it to your mom or something. But unbeknownst to me, when they were uh, giving out the awards, all of a sudden I hear my name and they gave me the uh, Conrad McRae Appreciation Award. Oh, that's so sweet. So I have that. And they spelled my name right on it. Oh, that's important. <laughs> Which, How many times does that happen? I can't even imagine. I mean, it happens to me, and my name is Ebony Haynes. Yes, it happens a lot, and um, and that was so. Then you go like that's you know that's very that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know that is something, and uh, you know um, there's a lot. There's a lot. I have a have a lot of young fans. Let me put it that way, mm-hmm. and they stay young, and that's kind of interesting. That's so true. We, there was a there was a ten year old that came to Dashwood Books to come oh, wow. get my book. 
But that's so interesting because what you, the culture that you have created and you are can have continuously be, be a part of doesn't age Mm-mm. like that part of the culture and you are a part of it. So you, you get the generations that come through that culture, but they also hip hop, skating, snowboarding. Yeah. But they also see that I'm not photographing that anymore. Sure. But you, but you're so important, you know, yeah. for anyone coming in and picking up, I imagine somebody learning about something for the first time or, or seeing the gravity or the weight of this co- album cover or this something or, you know, yeah, and, but then they see what I'm doing now, which is very different, mm-hmm. but they can still appreciate it. Of course. So they, you know, um, so that's, I think, that's what I'm encouraged by, you know, mostly. And, you know, my, uh, my family, mm-hmm. you know, they're all, they're all down with the program. That's I get important. a lot of, I get a lot of support from um, my kids, my partner, my ex-wife, everybody is you know, supports me in whatever I do, whatever I'm doing, you know, they might not always agree with it, but you know, they'll support you. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a lot of, and then, you know, like uh, I remember when I met you the first time was at, um, that gallery in Chinatown that you were working for. Oh, Martos. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, I think Bob Nickus. Yeah. Bob Nickus. Exactly. And then you were like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. And I was like, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that always surprises yeah. me. Yeah. That's a good, because I don't, I don't really think like that, you yeah. know. That, but that happens, you know. I mean, but we were in Atlanta with Kara. Um, Kara is from Stockton, California, but she moved to Atlanta when she was 13, and we were visiting her parents. And this was for the first time that we went down there. And then we went to this neighborhood called Five Points, and mm-hmm. Kara was a little worried about maybe bumping into someone or you know whatever like so so we had a pizza and a beer and as we walk out of the pizza place this woman comes up to me and she goes are you to us and she goes are you and i look i'm looking at kara and kara's going she's getting ready ari markopoulos and, uh. and kara goes, <laughs> goes what the fuck <laughs> this is my town that's amazing yeah did you introduce, did Kara introduce herself to you? Or did you say like, <laughs> well, <laughs> so that was funny that that, so, that, you know, we were like, um, so, you know, that's, that, that's, that's interesting that, that, you know, but it then turns out that her boyfriend uh, runs the, is part of the skate shop mm-hmm. that's down the street. And, uh, and when I'm, and, he might have mentioned my name, but not said very much. But then, then I remembered him from New York because he used to skate at the banks. Mm. Yeah. So you used to rap. You rap. No. Come on. You must have some freestyles that you recorded in back in the day. There must be a tape somewhere from somebody's studio. Mm. I just talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure talk a lot. <laughs> we well, we are gonna record your first track at some point did you skate actively did you I would, I, the skating was more um because i grew up in holland so a lot of um uh cobblestones and brick and then the first skateboard i had was clay wheels and mm. so it didn't quite work out for me so then when i was 
here in New York and I got interested in the skate scene, I used to ride my bike around with them. And then at some point I got a skateboard with like uh, bigger soft wheels and I skated around that thing. And then a friend of mine from Norway, a snowboarder came and I was going to show him around, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, um, he kept saying, there's a truck coming. There's a truck coming <laughs> because he was behind <laughs> me. And I told him, stop <laughs> saying that. <laughs> that there's going to be lots of trucks lots today. Lots of trucks. Yeah. In every street. Yeah. So then, so I would say that my, uh, skate abilities are, uh, pretty, um, they, they pretty much suck. They suck. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you can get from point A to point B on a skateboard, which is yeah. more than many. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I would do it now, especially yeah. not since I'm wearing white pants. Today. Right. But I I could get from point A to, to point B, I think. But I mean, it was it was um, interesting. Skating was more of a like a cultural observation of mine that I... I saw uh, below the Brooklyn was it the bri- bridge called the Brooklyn Banks, it, although it's in Manhattan. I saw this like group, and it was um, a lot of kids of different ages and um, different ethnicities. Then they're all hanging out, and I thought this is a, this is a, this is a cool this is cool. Mm-hmm. Like you know, whatever's happening here is cool. So I used to go and. Uh, and I took mostly portraits, which are so confusing for them. They're like, you're not going to photograph us doing these tricks. Yeah. But which I then did, but more also as help to them. And then I figured out it's part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I started, then I had some ads for Metropolitan Wheels, which was a, a company, uh, a wheel company out of San Francisco, but they sponsored East Coast skateboarders and, so those, they all suggested me for the ads. And mm-hmm. a lot of the ads were not actually action shots. They were either portraits or um, pictures of New York or, mm-hmm. yeah. When, also, when you shoot film or photography or fi- video, you always have to be like, shit happens. I mean, has that happened? Oh, everything happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Tell me something that's happened. It's funny. Or not, or scary. What was like the scariest moment of realizing there wasn't something in the camera? Or something like that. Well, I think it happened so many. T- it happened so many times that it's hard to uh, single out one time that it happened. But I think that sometimes you feel that you're really getting something very, very great, and you're you're filming or you're recording on a video camera, and it's going, and then all of a sudden you see at the bottom of the screen that the red recording light is not on. Oh my God. And you just feel like, oh man. And it's hard to get over, you know, that it takes days. But then in the end, I think, you know, you just get what you get. Yeah, you get what you get. I don't have anything that um, consequential, like I'm never filming something grand or making my next genius short film like my guest here, but... Uh, I've definitely had moments of trying to capture something with my cell phone (laughs) and I think I've hit the same thing happens. It happened just the other day. My baby was laughing for the first time and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to capture it. And I missed the whole thing. Yeah, but you didn't miss it. I didn't miss it. No, no, I didn't miss it. You're right. I didn't miss it. 
that's one of the most important things that I think uh, as a, as a you know, lens-oriented artist is that there are many things that you see where you go, it's okay, I see it. Mm. I don't have to record it. Because you have, uh, you know, you have this very strong um, intuition to record everything mm -hmm. or to, um, you know, to register one way or the other. And then when you work with a lens-based lens -based practice, you think that everything needs to be recorded, but, you know, so many things you need to experience. And what you said about... Um, your baby laughed for the first time and yeah i know that when you think on your iphone that you're getting it and uh yeah you didn't press record but the most important thing i always feel about having children and raising your children is that you really live in the moment and um experience everything in the moment mm. because when you start thinking back later because you have an older child too mm -hmm. so when you think back four or five years ago the, the experiences are not the same anymore so the most important thing is that you experience it in that time i feel that as it's happening now so if you re if you miss the laugh on your iphone it's okay it's okay i'm lucky that i got to experience it in person exactly yeah or the first steps all that stuff totally or the first sentence and 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 you know so my children are you know adults so when they grew up there was there was a camera you mm, know mm -hmm. but there was not a, there was not really an iphone there was also a video camera but those videos are hard to watch because that's like that's when you're it's it's new and you're constantly asking your kids to perform yeah <laughs> why don't you do that <laughs> and they ended up in your books <laughs> yeah well they did much to their chagrin <laughs> then but now they they say they say thanks dad for oh, that's cool. taking all those photos because for them there's a lot of memories involved in that but you know they were never meant as um, um, as a sort of autobiographical gesture, um, but because very often people, when they look at my work, they say, "Oh, it's autobiographical," or or um, because it's chi his children or his partner or all these things. But for me, it's more uh, a shared experience because I think that if you photograph your child after it fell off its bike and it has a scab on the knee or a bleeding knee and you take a picture of it then there's also a memory for yourself mm. because a lot of things that happen to them happen to you so so it's it's more about relating to others by um seeing those things mm -hmm. well i i i'm i'm i can hear what your children say by appreciating having those that archive and documentation now um, without getting too personal mm -hmm. there's not much documentation of my childhood and when I see things like um, people who have home videos 
of moments of their childhood or even adolescence, any time really before they're an adult. Mm-hmm. I think about that a lot, having my own children, and I, I want them to. I, I, I kind of want them to see how our life was or how things were, and I get, I get a little, I, I overthink it a little bit too much sometimes. I'm like, oh, I really. But at the same time, I'm not. I'm also not the one to. You can't rely on me to take the photo. My partner always says, if if they didn't have their camera or phone with them, we wouldn't have any documentation about anything. Like I, I like the idea, but I'm not as not actually proactive about it. No, but I think you'll have enough for them to enjoy. I mean, I my dad was a pilot, and so he he early on bought a camera, and he he took quite a few pictures of us mm-hmm. uh, as children. Not a lot, but also some Super 8 footage. And I know that you know we all enjoy looking at those. Even though I have to say that not all those experiences um, that the memory triggers, triggers are so pleasant, but mm. still it's nice to see, you know. It's funny because our mom, um, because I have three siblings, our mom was a model, so she was really into dressing us up and it was kind of painful. <laughs> What would she would he like put you in fancy in nice outfits and get she liked the photos being taken? No, I saw like the last time I saw a picture was we're on a boat in Greece. My dad is a Greek, so we would go to Greece often. And it's my mother, my brother, and my sister. And uh, my youngest brother is not born then yet. And both my brother and I are we're on a boat in Greece. It's probably summer, and we're wearing blue blazers, white shirts, and little ties. And I'm like, Yo, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not yacht life. It's, right. It's, it's, just, it's just a ferry. <laughs> we don't need to look like that. Your mother would disagree. No, she definitely did. She definitely did disagree. So that's a, you know... And, and then my dad did Christmas cards also. Oh, yeah. The ones where he ran in. It's like set the camera up, yeah. run into the frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-timer, which back in the day was different than now. You yeah. know, it was like a little sort of um, lever that you pulled down and then that, but it would make a sound like, <laughs> and then as it came closer, it would go higher. <laughs> and then you knew, click. You only had a few seconds. And so then my dad would just always, yeah, he would then get in. And uh, yeah, so that, you know, I think... There is value yeah. to it, for sure. It's also nice to see yourself as a child. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I'd like my kids to see themselves. I also, I really love the idea of archiving so much. So, I mean, we're sitting here in 52 Walker, and part of the ethos of this space is about the archive and archiving and everything. The idea that everything is part of the archive. It doesn't have to be a photograph. It's like, you know, this piece of paper this receipt that I had from dinner with an artist while we're making the show, like just kind of tracking everything we're doing. But if I'm being completely candid and honest, I, I, I can't be the one to do it. Like I don't want to do the archiving. I don't get joy from being the archivist, but I like being the creative director who says, make sure everything gets archived. Neither do I want to be the director <laughs> of the archive, but I have an immense archive. Mm-hmm. And um, 
that's why I make books, you know, mm -hmm. like, and and that's why I also make um, the zines because those are usually they used to be more about things that were either fascinating or happening, but now they are really very often just about oh this week in time, you know, or this these three months, and I collect them and I put them together. But they're very they're like very much about the moment that I'm in, mm -hmm. and um, and it's a good way for me um, to see the work and you know, figure out you know, what am I doing. Because honestly, you know, that I don't know, really. It's, it's, <laughs> and then, you know, it's archiving, you know, I have lots of books, I have lots of records, I have mm -hmm. lots of tapes, I have lots of, um, you know, coming back from Japan, you know, I bought books there. I told Kara, like, okay, so I'm not buying any, <laughs> any more books. <laughs> And she gave me a very interesting look. Which like, was yeah, like, right. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I wanted to show, this made me think I was, I actually have one of these for you to take home. Um, it is a very rare special edition of the first 52 Walker zine. Um, it's not for sale. Sorry, everyone listening. But it's um, in the hands of people who helped make it or have really supported the space. Um and shows how we've started sort of making sure everything gets documented. We keep these black and white disposable cameras at the front desk. And so every day in some form, there's a certain amount of photos being taken and in the openings and the staff and oh, yeah. install. Thank you very much. Yeah. I see Hamza. Yeah. Hamza visiting. Yeah. Oh, this is cool. Thank you. My pleasure. This will be on the stack till it goes onto the shelf. Fellow zine enthusiast. Right, right now, right now we have stacks. Stacks it's, waiting, just stacked on the floor. Yeah, on the floor. Uh, yeah. Oh, thank you very much. My pleasure. Great. Um. So it is. I was supposed to have a rapid fire question session ready for you. Okay, let's go. I don't know how rapid fire it's going to be, but we can edit it to sound rapid fire. Can't we, Taryn? Yeah, I think so. It's going to sound quick. I, okay. I, 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 we need some like, we need Taryn, we need some like a game show cart rapid fire question time. Oh yeah, that's a, I need you a, need a sound. I need a sound machine. I need, we just need like a bunch of cards so I can play. Um, Add that to the to-do list, Taryn. <laughs> okay. Rapid fire questions so everyone can get to know you rapidly. Survey says. Survey says. As quick as you can answer. All right. Flat or sparkling? Flat. Spicy or salty? Salty. Warm or cold? Warm. Rap or hip-hop? Rap. Oh, that's a great... Isn't, I mean, I'm just tooting my own horn here that's a great question because you really get to understand if people see them as different things which they are and i didn't think your preference would be brat would be rap i thought why not be, i don't know i think i just i don't know why well i think contextually i mean those hip-hop hip-hop is a it's sort of a very large um area and then rap is a little bit more particular 
And then, but if I think about hip hop, I feel that the way, well, I guess, I guess, you know, either, either answer is good. I think hip hop, I discovered through, because I moved here in 80. So I discovered, the first thing I discovered were the kids on the train because I was going on the, on the, on the four, five and six train. So a lot of kids from uh, the Harlem and the Bronx were on the train. So I noticed their outfits like uh, uh, Pumas or Sheltos with fat laces and then Lee jeans in like burgundy or different, like, you know, not just like blue jeans. And uh, so I did, no I noticed that. I was like, oh, that's a, so I bought like Pumas, black and red, <laughs> black Pumas with a red stripe with fat red laces. And then, and then I, f and then I, started hearing hip-hop on the radio, like mm -hmm. 105.9 HBI, mm -hmm. DJ Africa, D DJ Africa Islam. And uh, that was the first show I heard. They just had just been in Japan. Maybe that's not the first show I heard, but... And then they had these right, really long, like DJ Red Alert, like commercial-free mixes. And, and, we, and, and then I went up um, to... Was called that? What was that place called? Something Fever, Dance Fever, or something? It was up in the Bronx, and they, there were um, gigs there. And then they went to 18th Street at the Roller Disco, mm. and they would have hip hop shows there. And uh, I just, I just remember like the Roller Disco, 18th Street in Chelsea, that one that's on was on the West Side. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, um, that place used to be the bomb because they would have uh, Fantasy 3 or um, people like that perform. And kids would come from uptown and there, and there was no, that nobody got ID'd for age because mm -hmm. like, they were like break dancing and whatever hanging out. Mm -hmm. But it was a, that was a, yeah. Well, you know, rapid, rapid, rapid fire questions. No, it's good. That's why I like it. So let's keep rap. Let's do some more yeah. <clears throat> rapid answers. Because spicy and salty, I'm like shit. I don't eat salt, but spicy. I don't want to eat spicy <laughs> food either. <laughs> and I'll fuck my shit up. No spicy, spicy for you. No, no, no. Super not, hot Thai food. Extra, no, extra chili. Not anymore. Not anymore. I used to eat a lot of very spicy Indonesian food, but no, that doesn't go well with me. Yeah. Um. Mm. Okay. Rapid is straight or curly. Curly. I'm gonna do an inspiration from your story. Puma or Adidas. Puma. Puma. Um, film or digital? Film. Day or night? Night. Train or plane? Plane. CD or LP? LP. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I love chocolate. <laughs> I also love chocolate. <laughs> I also love chocolate. I'm going to end it on that. Rapid fire question. Yeah, I mean, chocolate. This is good. I'm a chocolate addict. This is really bad. It has to be really, really controlled. Well, are you an addict for like, is it a high quality chocolate? Like you like to have 
you oh know, yeah you need the good stuff you're not gonna you're not a twix bar addict or no, sometimes not, no, no 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 hershey's no hershey's no thank you what's your brand of choice right now oh the brand of choice right now i just want everyone to know he just got very excited yeah. to share <laughs> this brand of choice i think your eyes lit up <laughs> No, I, I, just, I brought, I almost brought it for you, uh, but, uh, but I'll bring it next time. I got this matcha chocolate in, in Japan mm. and that's, that's beyond so good. But chocolate brands, I don't know, just, it's hard. Are you a dark chocolate fan or do you like both milk and dark chocolate? I like both, but I think, I think that. What's very important for chocolate for me is the texture. Mm-hmm. And I feel the darker the chocolate, the, the texture gets a little harder and sure. grainier. It does, yeah. And I, I do love the taste, but I'm really somebody who likes to put the chocolate in my mouth and then let it melt. That's a milk chocolate kind of chocolate. Yeah. Close to anyway. Yeah, but there are some dark chocolates that do that. Yeah. Yeah. What about white chocolate? As a kid, yes. <laughs> it's not a serious chocolate. No, it's kind of like the flavor seems a little bit too diluted. Mm. I was not into white chocolate. I'm also a huge chocolate fan, fanatic. It's almost my Achilles heel. I had a question the other day for an interview um, to Nate to say like what my Achilles heel is. And I was going to say chocolate, but I ended up saying black t-shirts mm. because I can't, I can't pass up a good black t-shirt somewhere. I probably have not exaggerating like 40 black t-shirts in rotation oh, i can i can give you number 41 from japan oh, is it a good black t-shirt it's a good black t-shirt it's got two photos on it yeah 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 t-shirts black t-shirts i wear a lot of black but look at me me now. too i know i was just gonna say i'm usually in all black but i'm wearing a white a t-shirt pink, today. i'm wearing a pink, pink t-shirt and white pants <laughs> The story about these pants is, so I, I bought a pair of black pants because whenever I have an opening at a, uh, of an exhibition, mm-hmm. I buy new clothes. Mm-hmm. That's nice. They should. It's exciting. Yeah. I just buy because I feel it's like a birth or something. It's fresh. So, so I bought these black pants and I bought this crazy, very long black shirt that's like longer than my knees, like a button up shirt. And uh, that was inspired by, you know, I saw like these like very crazy goth looking Japanese people walk around in Tokyo. And I said to Karika, God, that's what I want to look like. So that, that's, the kind, that's the look I want to rock at the opening. And I like that inspo. So that's what I got. And, uh, and then, but I know like when I put a song on repeat and <laughs> I play it a thousand times that once I get a pair of pants that I like, then I wear it a thousand times and the pants are going to go to shit. So I said, I bet, and they're not going to make it anymore. So I said, like the last day I said, okay, I'm going to buy another pair of those pants. And Kara goes, oh, come on. No, I know. I know. <laughs> so I went in and they only had a white pair of pants oh. and I never wear white pants, but I bought them anyway. And she they goes, look, you bought white pants? <laughs> they, they look, it looks very natural on you. Yeah. Also, I'm waiting for them to get a little dirty. That'll be better. Like when, like when we used to, uh, not me, but I had friends who used to scuff up their shoes. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. I don't know. It's, that was the thing though, right? Some, I remember some kids would get like new chucks and not want them to look too crispy. And yeah, then, I, I can see that with the chucks, but. 
Not the Man, Jordans. Don't stop on anybody's shoes. I'm <laughs> telling you step. that much. <laughs> Especially not in New York. Especially not in New York. Forget it. Right? Whoa. What kind of shoes are you rocking? Oh, the Hoka's? New Balance. New Balance. Everybody wears Hoka's. Yeah. I have a pair of Hoka's. I don't really wear them, though. Smoke a hookah, wear a hoka. He's a rapper, I told you. <laughs> I fucking knew it. You're lying. You have a secret alias as a rapper. Do you You have an album that's out? <laughs> I have, there's a producer in San Francisco that wanted to do the uh, song with me, but I never did. There's still time. There's still time. A hoka-wearing, hookah-smoking rapper. There you go. From New York. From New York. What would your rapper name be? I'm sure you've had many. Mm. Did you ever spin drift? That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) MC MC drift. MC drift. Did you ever make work under an an alias? Oh, yeah. Digi-man. Digi-man. D-I-G-I-man. Yeah. Some videos. Mm. They would all say... um, They would say... uh, uh, Copyright Digi-man and... Edited by the Almighty. <laughs> Can I find those online? Uh, yeah, I think actually, if you go to arimarkopoulos.tv. Where did you get that? Yeah, all these crazy stuff. He's funny monkey. Put <laughs> 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 it on the back of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I <clears throat> had this page come up quickly in my URL because I'd already looked at it last week. Yeah. Um, well, if you just let it run on that movie, you'll see, you'll see the credits. I just saw it. But it's not just Digiman, it's also the G-Man. The G-Man. <laughs> so many levels. <laughs> there you go. Well, Ari Markopoulos, thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for having me as a guest. It was really easy um, to talk to you as I expected it would be. Yeah. I picked my guest for a reason. And in case you didn't know, the title of this podcast comes from this. Poochies, UMCs, episode 21. Thank you, Ari. You're welcome. Thank you, Taryn. Thanks, everyone. Come back soon or something. Come back for I can, the next, I, I, next show, next episode. I can come back as the G-Man. <laughs> come back as the G-Man. We'll record the album. Thanks, everyone. Ebony Elhane. Ari, Terrence.